0: Well, this morning I'd like to talk to you, starting uh, in Luke, I'd like to talk to you this morning about the hours of Jesus, the last hours of Jesus, something that Jesus shared within his last hours. Really encouraging, I hope. And it starts off in Luke chapter 23. Uh, My main verse for today will be Luke 23, 28, 28. But I want to jump to Luke 23, starting in verse 26 down to 31, just to share with you a context maybe of of what Jesus was was talking about when he mentioned these words. It says now this in, in Luke 23, verse 26, Now as they led him away, that's Jesus, they were leading Jesus away. They laid hold of a certain man, Simon a Cyrenian, who was coming from the country, and on him they laid the cross that he might bear it after Jesus. You know saints. saying? It's just if you think about it, my brothers and sisters, meditating on Jesus this morning, thinking about Jesus this morning, he couldn't even bear the cross that they wanted him to bear, to carry to his own crucifixion. He was too weak, he was too, too beaten down, too broken to even carry the cross. They had to pull a man out of the crowd to carry him. And a great multitude of people followed him. This is following Jesus. And women also mourned and, and lamented him. But Jesus turned to them, said, Daughters of Jerusalem, do not weep for me, but weep for yourselves and for your children. For indeed the days are coming in which they will say, Blessed are the barren, wombs that have never borne, and breasts which never nursed. And then they will begin to say to the mountains, Fall on us, and to the hills, Cover us, for they will do these things. For if they do these things in the greenwood, what will be done in the dry? Jesus was saying, if they do these things when I'm here now, when, when, the, when the wood is fresh, when the wood is growing, when the wood is alive, when there's water and nutrients around, the wood is there, the tree is alive and fresh. If they're, if they're breaking the tree that's alive and fresh, what will they do to a dead tree? It will just be consumed immediately will be broken and caught apart immediately. Jesus had a concern. Jesus was looking to the future. Here he was in the here and now on his death, yet he was looking to the future. He was looking beyond his cross. He was looking beyond what was going on and the events that day and looking towards the future. And it says, and my main text is, we'll read it again here in verse 28, but turning to them, he said, daughters of Jerusalem, do not weep for me, but weep for yourselves and for your children. Hallelujah. What a blessed morning it is this morning. The message I have this morning is called Faith and Emotion. Faith and feeling. Faith and emotion. You might think, well, that's not too creative. I trying to come up with a better solution. Last night, as I'm doing the Word, trying to figure out, let me have a creative title. I was telling my wife, this is my message. What do you think about the title? She's like, just... Just say what your message is about. Ah, that's a great idea. <laughs> faith and emotion. You know, sometimes we need the ladies in our lives just to give us some common sense. Just tell them what the message is about. So this is my message, faith and emotion. Faith and emotion. You know, all of us have some sorts of faith, faith and belief in something. You have faith that you're going to take your next breath. In fact, you have so much faith that you're taking your next breath, you don't even think about it. Your heart's going to keep beating. You have so much faith in your heart, you don't even tell your heart to beat. It's, it's automatic. It just happens by itself. It just beats. You yourself trust those things. You don't think about those things. Heartbeat, 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 heartbeat. Keep me alive, keep me alive, keep me alive. We don't think about those things. We have faith that our body's going to work like it's supposed to. We have faith that our car will start in the morning we go out to start it. Most of us, some of us maybe not. I was there many times not having a car to start in the morning. But we have faith that our job's gonna pay us. We have faith that if if we do good at work, if we show up on time, if we work hard, that maybe our our boss or someone at work might see us and, and reward us in some ways. We have faith all through life we have faith in our, our God, we have faith in our brethren, we have faith in our, in our country to some extent. We have faith all through life. All of us have some sort of faith. On top of that, we all have emotions. It seems to be my experience in dealing with people, I've been working in the medical field for 20 years almost, and dealing with all sorts of kinds of people, and when people say I'm not that emotional, I always feel like you're probably the most emotional people I know. If you think you're not emotional, I bet if I talk to one of your family members, they might say otherwise. It just tends to be the case. I'm just not emotional. I just I'm not emotional. You're emotional. That's saying you're not emotional is an emotion. We're all emotional, and we have these two things in life: we have faith and we have emotions. We have faith and we have emotions. When faith doesn't work out, sometimes our emotions take over. Sometimes, when our faith doesn't seem like what it should be, our emotions kick in. Sometimes, when our emotions kick in, we lose our faith. Sometimes we have strong faith, but our emotions overtake us and we do something maybe we shouldn't do. It's this constant thing in life that we have as humans. I like to say it's our human condition. It's part of how God created us. He created us for the emotions. Jesus here says, weep not. Is he saying, don't have emotion? No, because his next phrase is, weep. He doesn't say, don't have emotions. He doesn't say, don't care. But he wants our emotions to care about something. What he cares about. Amen, saints? Faith and emotion are something all of us have. And this morning I want to come and talk to you about our faith in Jesus Christ and how our emotions can play a role in that, how we respond to him in Jesus Christ. I'm not talking this morning about faith in science, faith in government, faith in atheism, agnostic, some other religious figure. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about faith in Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, our God who came to this earth as a man, lived, overcame temptation, that man who walked the Via Dolorosa all the way to the cross and sat on a cross and died and took his last breath. I'm talking about that man who rose again three days later and sits on high next to his Father in heaven. Amen, saints? This is the God I'm talking about today. That God is who we love That God is who we worship. That God is who we praise. That God is who we're trying to get attention to. Lord, we want to serve you. Lord, we want to be better for you. Lord, we want to do more for you. That's who we're praying to. He's our advocate. He works on our behalf. He will take care of you. He looks out for you. If you don't know him this morning, this is a great morning to get to know him. If you've lost a little bit, A little distraction in your faith. This is a great morning to renew that. To get built back up again. To get on point again. Faith today. When I say faith this morning, I mean that faith. Just to cast any doubt while you said faith, you could be talking about anything. No, I'm not talking about anything. When I say faith this morning, I mean faith in Jesus Christ. My hope, my goal if you will, is to give a message to encourage you to live a faith based walk in Jesus Christ with our emotions with our feelings with passion with desire it's part of what God wanted us to do you may say brother Ben that seems so obvious of course can you tell us something new well i'm going to be honest with you some of you have been saved for 50 years i've been saved hey i've been saved close to 40 years it might, this might sound unbelievable to you but i have been i've seen a lot in my time I've seen a lot in my time. I've seen a lot as a 10 year old. How, how a 10 year old sees the Lord and sees life in a church to a teenager, how they, how they see life in church and, and maybe the atrocities that happen as a teenager. They're not really atrocities, but as a teenager, they are. I've seen it as a young adult by myself living a world, been in college, walked the college campus. I've seen it post college, working a career, in marriage, and having children. I've seen it. I've seen a lot. Maybe in some ways seem a different eyes than maybe some of you have seen, and that's okay. That's why we're the church. That's why we're together. That's why we can use each other and bounce ideas off each other. Hey, you've seen this before. I haven't seen this. I often say to young men when they say, hey, brother Ben, I'm having struggle with this in my life. I'll find a brother in church that says, go talk to that brother. I haven't dealt with that before. This brother just came from the world. He'll tell you how it is. Don't talk to him. His life has been changed. He lived a life that was different than my life growing up. Use him as your reference. Don't use me. That's okay. This is what Jesus wants out of our church. So it may seem obvious of a message this morning, but I'm going to tell you, hopefully I can renew a spirit in you, a flame in you to burn bright for Jesus Christ, to have your emotions come lit for Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Over time, emotions and faith will definitely interact in our lives. Definitely interact in our lives. You think about the wickedness in the world, it gets us riled up. You think about our government, sometimes it gets people riled up. You think about the confusion in the world, it gets people riled up. It gets believers riled up. Your emotion can affect your prayer life. It can affect your study life. Your emotion can affect your behavior in church. You may come to church and say, what is this guy talking about? Here we go again. That's your emotion. It's affecting you. It plays on you. It stops you from hearing the word of God. It prevents you from hearing the word of God. Your emotion can affect how you love the brethren. How you interact with each other. Your emotion can affect that. Your emotion can affect where your church home is. That's a big deal. Jesus, who died for the church... Hey, Lord, you know what? My emotions got in the way, so I didn't go where you wanted me to go. Yikes. Yikes. Your emotions can even affect your salvation. It can affect your salvation. Feelings and emotions. When I say emotions today, I'm talking about your feelings, everything involved with it. Emotions, feelings, passion, desires. At some point in your Christian walk, any one of these things, Feelings, emotions, passions, desires. Maybe multiple, multiple of them can affect where your heart goes. Where your heart leads you. It can be challenging for us saints. And what is our response to be? What is our response to be when we get challenged in our emotions? When we get challenged, what is our response to be? How much the church responds to something can truly make or break its vitality in Jesus Christ. I believe that. How a church responds emotionally to a situation can affect how the Lord relates to them. We want the Lord to grow in this place. Amen, saints? We want the Lord to work in this place. The Holy Ghost to fill this place. Let the gifts of the Spirit be working in this place. I hope we're praying for the gifts of the Spirit That should always be on our minds. The gifts of the Holy Spirit should be on your hearts. Are they they bubbling up inside you? you? Are you emotional about them? Individually, it's important to how we deal with situations in life. As individual Christians, it's important how you deal with situations in life. Your faith may depend on it. Your faith may rely on it how well you do in Jesus Christ. May we rely on it. You know, emotions and feelings have been, in a way, the Achilles heel of the human in their relationship with God. Let's go to Genesis chapter three. We'll jump around a little bit in scripture this morning, but I tried to find examples where they're close together. Can you hear me okay? Amen. Thank you. So here we see in Genesis chapter 3 the, 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 the fall of man, for, for a lack of a better term. And Genesis chapter 3 verse 6, we'll just go right to th- 6. This is where Eve was having a, a conversation with the serpent, Satan. And it says in 6, so when the woman saw that the tree was good for food... That it was pleasant to the eyes another way to say that. Some of your translations may say, "or a desirable thing." And the a tree a des- and a tree desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. She also gave to her to her husband with her, and he ate. Something became desirable to Eve. Her feelings, her emotions got into it. You may say it was just food. She might say it was just food. What's the big deal on, on a certain level? It was just food. It looked okay. It handled okay. It felt ripe. It felt fresh. It, was, it actually didn't have a bad outcome. It actually was going to make us wise from her standpoint. This is what she's saying. She's telling her husband, look it, it looks good. You know, she'd be the to, to, to handle it to meditate on it. Her emotions got involved. Let me think about this. Let me weigh this. Let me judge this on my perception. Let me see how fair or unfair this is, how righteous or unrighteous. Well, maybe not so much that one. Let's go back to emotions. How good it looks or how ugly it looks. How right it is or how wrong. Well, maybe not that one. Was it ripe or was it not ripe? Was it accessible or was it not accessible? Did it make me feel good? Hey, it's going to make me wise too. She took it. She handled it. She meditated on it. Thought on it. She began to have feelings about it. And know what she did next? She acted on it. You see what happened? She acted on it. It made sense to me. You know what? The more I think about it, I am right. You know what, serpent? You are right. You're totally right, serpent. It's good to eat. The tree looks wonderful. What, why, why, can't, why can't we eat this tree? What, what's going on? It's like the only thing I can't eat. I just want what I can't eat. Let me have it. It makes sense. And then she crunched and chewed. Adam, this is good. Try some. Adam, crunch, chewed. You see what happened, their emotions and feelings, what looked good, what looked correct, what looked like it was acceptable in their own eyes overcame their faith in God, overcame righteousness, overcame holiness, overcame something they were supposed to do. You know, sometimes in Christianity, there's things you can't do. I'm gonna tell you this, can I I throw out a, a really obvious statement again to you? This is what I tend to do. Sometimes in the world, there's things you can't do. Sometimes in Christianity, there's things we can't do. Sometimes in the world, we accept the things we can't do better than we can accept the things we can't do in Christianity. Why is that? It's not our faith that causes us to do that. It's our emotions. It's our feelings. It's our belief on thinking, this is what I think is right. I can do these things. After all, I am a child of God. He loves me. But remember, God has a purpose for you. God has a plan for you. And sometimes in those plans, there's things we can't always do. Our emotions can get in the way of that. Our emotions can bring us displeasure before God. Was not God displeased? Did he not come expecting to find them where they were in his garden? Adam, Eve, where are you? I want to talk with you. I want to fellowship with you. What was their response? They separated themselves from God. How about the next chapter over? Chapter four, verse six and seven. Cain and Abel, not too far, trying to stay right here together. I told you that feelings, emotions, desires are the Achilles heel of our faith. And we see it right in the first story of the Bible. Right in the first story of the Bible. In Genesis chapter four, verse seven, so the Lord said to Cain, why are you Emotional. Why are you so angry, Cain? Cain had just done something, right? He had an offering that he offered, and his offering wasn't accepted. He says to Cain, "Why are you so angry? And why has your countenance fallen?" I want to share with you. Say, it's God sees your emotion. It's amazing. God said to Cain, "Why are you so angry?" Why is your countenance fallen? When your countenance falls, know who sees it? The people around you, no doubt. But God in heaven sees your countenance. Why has your countenance fallen for me? Why are you depressed about me? Why is my salvation giving you a hard time? Why are you burdened about me? God said, why is your countenance fallen, Cain? Why are you hurting? What is going on? Why have you become so emotional? Jesus, or I'm sorry, God says this in verse 7. If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not well, sin lies at the door. And its desire, its passion, it's where it's looking is for you, but you should rule over it. Early on, God was teaching us how to deal with our emotions, Early on, God was teaching, hey, humans, you made a mistake in the garden. Here we are again. I'm gonna tell you something. Hey, Cain, your mom made a mistake. Your dad made a mistake in the garden. They let the desires of their heart overcome them, and they crunched into the fruit. And it put us a distance between us. Cain, you're doing the same thing again. You're doing the same thing that your parents just did. You're letting anger about your brother Affect your relationship with me. God, you see how this works even today, saints? Frustrations within the church can affect how God relates to the church. It's not just, well, I'm angry with my brother and he's he's angry with me. That's the way it is. We're not talking. We're not associating. I'm done with it. That's not God's plan. I'm good with it. It's good with me if that happens. I don't care if someone's mad at me. I'm a non-emotional person. No, you're probably an emotional person. And it probably does bother you. You just act in a certain way. But I want to tell you something. My brothers and sisters, God has a plan for us. God's plan for us is don't live in that state. Don't live in that state. If you live in that state, the longer you live in that state, something is desiring your soul. Something wants to take you away from that relationship with the Lord. And it's not God. It's evil. It's evil. It wants to consume you. It wants to have you. It wants to tickle your ears, tell you you're okay. It's okay to do what you're doing. Who cares what brothers and sisters in the church think? Oh, wait. But God says, love your brother. Love your sister. Help them get to heaven. Pick them up when they fall. Love each other. By this, the world will know that you are loved by God and God loves you. Amen, saints? This is what happens. It's the kill, he's heel. God reminds Cain, sin lies at the door. Control your emotions. Control your thoughts. Control how you behave. Take control of it. Cain, it says Cain went out to talk to his brother and rose up against him. Crunch. He bit. I'm going to get back at my brother. What Cain what did your brother do so evil? What if you said, Abel, you know what, I'm mad right now, but can you, can you just help me? Show me what you did. What did you, because I'm confused. I worked so hard at tilling the ground. You know what, God cursed two things. He cursed the serpent, and he cursed the ground. I worked hard at getting food from that ground. It's hard, he didn't curse the lamb. He cursed the ground Cain, I thought I was doing something really cool and good and different. And I put, I put this straight sacrifice, the first growth, the best of my fruits and vegetables, I put it before the Lord and he completely rejected it. What's up? Abel, help me to understand. You see what a brother could have done? See what a brother could have done? If that brother that was angry, full of emotion, humbled himself said, I'm hurting. I feel totally unjustly treated right now. But you know what? Brother in the Lord, help me. Don't say to me, you're right. Don't say to me, you should be mad. Don't say to me, it's okay to be angry. You know what, Cain? Run. It's okay to leave and run. Be mad and angry. No, look for a brother that will say, help me see Jesus in this. Help me find faith in this. Help me restore my faith because I'm hurting a little bit right now. I don't understand what's going on right now. So help me understand a little bit my brother or sister in the Lord so my faith with Jesus Christ won't be interrupted. You see what happened with our emotions? We started off in the Garden of Eden. Emotions got in the way. We got kicked out of the Garden of Eden. We're still in Eden now, right? So you have Eden and you have the Garden of Eden. We got kicked out of the Garden of Eden. but well, hey, we're still in Eden. Cain got kicked out of Eden. He got moved out east. Every decision was pushing east. Go east. Go east. They kept getting further and further from where God wanted them. A place where God wanted to dwell with them and talk with them and be their king and be their lord and just hear their cries and and work with them and support them and feed them and care for them and show them his creation. Emotion said, I'm stepping this way. And I'm stepping this way, and I'm probably going out of the camera view, but that's the point. I'm going this way. I'm away from God. I'm away from God. I don't know where I'm going. And all of a sudden, you find yourself, Cain. Where are you, Cain? You're alone. What's the plan the Lord had for you? It just got disrupted. It just got changed based on emotion. Then in Genesis chapter 6, we'll just keep going right through here, Boy, the early bi- part of the Bible really teaches us about emotions. Yeah. Genesis chapter six, it says this in, in verse six and seven, and the Lord was sorry that he made man on earth and it grieved his heart. So the Lord said, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast, creeping things and birds of the air, for I am sorry I have made them. Uh, I read this last night and I actually felt sorry for my, Lord, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for being an imperfect human being. Lord, I'm sorry. Look at what we did. You know, even creation, the Lord was frustrated. Even the animals began attacking each other and eating each other and being animalistic and being crazy and fighting and being protective. The animals became emotional. That wasn't God's plan. He said, I'm going to just take care of everything. It was a purification. I'm I'm sorry that I did this, the Lord said. Oh, Lord, we're sorry that we did this to you. Help us be better, Lord. That was my heart last night for me. I got off the couch and I started praying to Jesus. I got to be better for Jesus. Help me to be better for Jesus. You know, the truth is we all have sinned. And we all have fallen short of the glory of God. We all have done this. But here it is. You see emotional response after emotional response. After thoughts of justification. I'm still right, Lord. I'm still right. I can still do what I want to do. It just pushed humanity further and further from the Garden of Eden. It pushed them further and further away from God's plan. It pushed them further and further from what God had in store for them. To the point where God said, I'm done. I'm done. Guys. The creation was getting out of whack. Wickedness was great. It was all over, it means. Every imagination of the thoughts of man was what? Evil continually. It went from fellowshipping with their Lord and Savior, thinking about when the Lord is coming today. I'd like to talk, maybe Adam and Eve were like, let's talk to them about this this morning or this evening. To their thoughts were evil all the time. Yikes. The flood comes, a purification, a start over, a renewal, a renewal of God's plan. The ark rests on Mount Ararat, Genesis chapter 11. Oh, a new start. Praise the Lord, a new start. Hallelujah. God says we're starting over. He says Noah was a righteous man, the only one on the earth. I'm going to start with a righteous man. This guy still has a little bit of Eden in him. Eden, the love for Eden, the love for God, the love for fellowship of God. That's what I mean by that. In him, let's start over. Genesis eleven four, speaking of the men of the earth. And they said, come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower whose top is in heavens. Let us make a name for ourselves lest we be scattered abroad over the face of the whole earth. Here we go again. Let us make a name for ourselves. Let us get emotional again. Let us get desirable again. And for what we want, we had just started over. A few chapters later, the men of the earth are getting together. Hey, guys, let us do something for ourselves. We deserve something. Let us make ourselves, let's, let's, let us make our names great. Hallelujah. The Lord was not done with man. Amen you could say, here we go again. All these decisions being led by feelings, being led by emotions, they seem to always get people in trouble. But to the people themselves, while they're going through it, in their minds, they seem justified. In their minds, they seem like they're doing the right thing. In their minds, they think, I'm doing the right thing for myself and for my future. I'm taking care of me and my own. I'm going to give myself a good name. I'm about to be associated with this. I'm going to give myself a good name. Look at me. I'm different. I'm separate. I'm, I'm, I'm being. I'm going to give you something desirable to look at of my own creation, of my own fruition, of my own thoughts. I'm going to. I'm going to be something a little bit different. Challenge, challenge people a little bit. Look at me. I'm a little different. It's okay. What happens next? God says, look at, I'm going to fix this. Look what he says in, in Genesis chapter 12, the next chapter over, chapter 1. After a, sort of a lineage of Noah's sons, we get to chapter 12, verse 1. By the way, as you know, the Lord took care of the Tower of Babel. Okay, you're going to make a name for yourselves that you don't want to be spread across the world? Here, I'll help you out. Spread yourselves across the world. Here, I'm going to scatter you. You don't want to be scattered? I'll take care of that. You don't want to be emotional? I'll be emotional. Get out of here. Jesus, we're created in his image. He can be emotional. Get out. Go. He scattered them and took care of it. But what was the Lord to do to humanity? Well, it says this now in chapter 12, verse 1. Now the Lord said to Abram, get out of your country. Can I emphasize that? Abram, get up and get out. Get up and get out from your family. Get up and get out from your father's house. Get up and go to the land I will show you. And look at verse two. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse those who curse you, and in all the families of the earth, you shall be blessed. God says to man, okay, I'm taking this back. Okay, 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 okay. You want to make yourselves great? You want to make your name for yourselves Scatter, and Abraham, I'm going to show mankind from here on out, I will be the one that will make your name great. He didn't give up on man this, he didn't wash him out again this time. He reached out and said, you want to be emotional, let me be emotional in this way. I'm going to be the one that blesses you. I'm going to be the one that curses those around you. Abraham, trust in me. Abraham, get away from your emotional connections. Get away from those connections where you're rooted and planted so tight, you can't see me anymore. You can't see me anymore. All you see is your own desires, your own wishes, your own wants, your own hopes, your own dreams, how you want your life to look, how you want your house to look, how many cars you want to have, how you want your kids dressed, what kind of sneakers they wear. You start focusing on these things that become so important in our lives. They should be, but how important they should be. Nowhere in relation to Jesus Christ, amen, saints? Nowhere in relation to Jesus Christ, God says, man, I'm going to help you out. I'm going to start off with Abraham. Abraham, get up. It's our salvation experience, isn't it, saints? God says, I want to help you out. You say you're depressed. You say you're anxious. You say you can't get the sin off you. You say there's no hope in your life. And God says, Hey, I'm going to help you out. Get up. Come to me. I will be the one who takes your cross. I will be the one who takes your sin. I will be the one who takes the burden off of you. But you have to do something. You have to get up. You have to go forward. Lose the emotional connection in one way, and give the emotional connection to Jesus Christ. He said, weep not, weep. Weep not, weep. Care not about the world, care about me. Jesus is not making us not emotional. He's not taking away our our sense of dignity and who we are and our personalities and our passion, our desires. He's not taking them away. He's just saying this, take them off yourself and put them on me. And what happens when you do that? Can I read it again? I will make you great. That's pretty cool. You can work really hard to be great. Men all across the world try to make themselves great. Jesus says, "You get up, you go out, you put your motion on me. I will make you great." Wow, it's be different than how we think great is, but He'll make us great. I will bless you. Who doesn't want to be blessed? Who wants to be blessed? Here goes my hand challenge. It was getting better. Awesome. Amen. Hallelujah. We want to be blessed. Who's going to bless us? I'm going to bless myself. Know how I bless myself? By working so hard and taking call nights all night long so I make extra money. I never see my family. I'll bless myself, but I won't see my family. I'll miss my kids' games. I'll miss their homework. I'll I'll miss putting them to bed. I'll miss reading to them. I'll miss spending time with them. But hey, I'm blessing myself. Hey kids, you ride in heated seats in the back row and in the summertime it blows cool air right on your butt. You should be blessed. This is how we bless ourselves? Those are exciting. Hey, I'll take one of those seats for sure. But here, let Jesus bless you. Let Jesus give it to you. Instead of saying, you know what? I'm going to sacrifice work tonight and I'm going to come to church because I'm going to trust that the Lord's going to bless me. You know what? I have some money, but I'm going to tithe it. I'm going to give my money to Jesus Christ because I feel the Lord will bless me. I'm going to let the Lord bless me. And when you get those things, when you get those things the Lord blesses you with, the nice cars, the, the fancy homes, and all these things that we all want and desire, when we get those things know with the Lord, you'll say, thank you, Jesus. And you'll open up your house to fellowships. And you'll open up your house to home fellowships. And you'll attend home fellowships because you're saying, this is not mine. Look what the Lord blessed me. I got up, I got out, I put my emotion on the Lord, and look what he's done for me. See what happens when we put our emotions in the right spot? Those blessings will still come, but they come with peace in your heart, joy in your heart. They come with passion, saying, look what the Lord's done with me. You bring someone from the outside. Look at my house. I didn't do this. Jesus did it for me. Hallelujah. See the blessing? See the difference? One looks ardly. One looks, ah. One looks like, bleh. The other one's like, wow, this is amazing. How can I do this? You can do this by getting up, getting out, and saying, "I'm putting my emotion on Jesus," Hallelujah! What a blessing it is. Humans have a tendency to hear something, see something, take hold of it, meditate on it, chew on it, and then act on it. This is what we do as humans. We tend to see something, we make our judgment out of it. It plays over and over in our minds. Sometimes we just hear something we we weren't even there. And we hear it from a third party, "Oh, I can't believe that," played over and over in our minds. Our emotions get ramped up. I can't believe it. I can't believe. There's a biblical way to deal with that. You go to the source, you find out, "Hey, what's going on?" But sometimes our emotions prevent us from doing that. and then all of a sudden, crunch, we act on it. Yikes, what just happened? What just happened? Let's jump back to Jesus chapter in Luke. Are you following me, saints, this morning? Jesus' last hours. Saints, there's no doubt in these chapters, if you read them, this was not an emotionally charged situation. Jesus going before the priests and the scribes being beaten and kicked, slapped, punched, mocked. This was an emotionally charged situation. If there was any time you can almost say to justify an emotional response, this would be it. This would be it. Fight for yourself, Jesus. You did nothing wrong. You're justified in your response. Fight. If you don't fight, Jesus, it's so wrong, I'm going to fight for you. Have you ever heard people say that? Boy, if you don't do anything about this, I'll do something about this. It's our emotional response. It's what we do as humans. When we see injustice, perceived injustice, maybe there wasn't even injustice there. Let me rephrase that. When we perceive injustice, we want to respond. If you don't do something about it, I, I will. Think about even our most Last election we have, if you don't do something about it, I'm going to do something about it, right? And the the country responded in such a way. It grabs hold of people. Emotions can grab hold of people. It can make us do things we probably normally wouldn't do. We can be so envisioned and passionate about something, crunch, we act on it. What are we to do? How are we to respond to these situations? Jesus was there. It was an emotional charge situation. People were taking hold of something, meditating on it, deciding on it, acting out what the next best step is. The scribes, the priests, the disciples, the visitors, people who follow Christ, they were all doing this. All the people there were doing this. There was Jesus at the center. I want to paint so you're you're thinking about this episode. You're thinking about what's going on right now. We shifted from Genesis. We're now talking about Jesus' last day on earth as a human. Last day on earth, hours before his death. Jesus was at the center. There's Herod, there's Pilate, there's religious leaders, there's priests, there's an unruly crowd, there's Jesus' family, there's Jesus' disciples and followers, there's people who hated Jesus, there's people who loved Jesus, there's people who had good feelings about Jesus, people who didn't know Jesus at all, people who didn't know what to do, People who wanted it one way, people who wanted it another way. People who were pulled into jobs they didn't want to do or had no no desire doing. This was an emotional charge situation. There were beatings, there were whippings, there were punches, there was yelling, there was cursing, there was hate speech, there was mockery, there was bloodshedding even before the cross. This is Jesus' last day. It was emotional. It, honestly, if you were there in Jerusalem that day, it probably would have been hard not to take part in it. Look at, notice in verse 27 of Luke chapter 23, it says, and a great multitude of people followed him. Simply put, a multitude is a large number of people. The Bible says it was a great multitude. So a large number of a large people, a large number of a large amount of people were there. That's a big, that's a large amount of people. That's a great multitude in Jerusalem. This is in Jerusalem. In Jesus' final hours, the city was emotionally charged. It was amped up. I shared this past Wednesday night in Luke 24, 18. It says this in talking about the two disciples who left Jerusalem after Jesus' death. They remember that? They were walking on the road to Emmaus. They were leaving the town and Jesus caught them. And what did Cleopas say to Jesus? I'll say it again. He said in verse 18 or 24, are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened in these days? Cleopas thought, how could you not know what's happening in Jerusalem? The whole city knew what was going on with Jesus. I don't know if you mind. sometimes you think Jesus was by himself, maybe a little road and the city was hustling, bustling, going on while Jesus made his way to the cross and he died on the cross and a few people mocked him and and sturged him and he went his way. Saints, this took up the city. It was a big response. Nature was changing. The cross, the skies went dark. Things were going on in the world. Something was happening. Society was seeing it. It was emotionally charged. Something wasn't right going on. Nature was on edge. The the weather was on edge. People were on edge. People are yelling, screaming. Can you imagine it? The soldiers coming down the road. I don't think it was a a wide open road. There were soldiers going before Jesus, pushing people out of the way. If you get in the context of Joseph the Cyrenian, the context of it was they grabbed him. He was just walking up. What's going on? They grabbed him and pulled him into Jesus. You take the cross. Soldiers were being aggressive. They were being brutal. They weren't having any care for who was around. It was an emotional charged environment. If there was any time to say, I'm going to be emotional here, that was the time to be emotional from a human perspective. That was the time to stand up and yell, Injustice! If you didn't know what was happening, right? If you had no idea what was happening, if you were looking, we have the perspective of looking at it after, praise the Lord, and see what was going on. But some of those people that day, they had no idea. Some of them had no idea. Maybe they would come to learn about Jesus by attending church later on. But here was an emotional charge situation. And I want to share this, brethren. In life, we go through emotional charge situations, they take up our thoughts, they're big deals to us. At times, they can be so passionate, we can't sleep. We can see such perceived injustice in our society, in our government, that it puts us emotions. We start reading books about it. We start trying to find prophecies over it. How can I justify this? There's a big event going on. Now is the time to scream scream for injustice. Now is the time to do it. It's passionate. Look at it. Strike while the iron's hot. Jesus, we can do this. You're so powerful. You fed 5,000, Jesus. You just say it. We can do it. You know the only one who wasn't talking that day? Jesus. There was a lot of yelling. There was a lot of screaming. There was a lot of parading. Jesus was quiet. In our personal lives, we can have attacks on us, on our children, perceived injustices in your lives. Oh, this wasn't fair what happened to me. This wasn't fair what happened when I was a teenager. I spoke to you about being a teenager. This wasn't fair what happened to me when I was a teenager. From now on, I'm holding that and until someone says sorry to me, I'm not going to do anything. What about Jesus? What about your faith? What about your responsibility to your brothers and sisters in this church? Your responsibilities to your parents, your responsibilities to those younger than you. Are you reaching out to those younger? Wait, you don't understand the injustice that happened to me. You say that, but I guarantee everyone in this church should stand up and say, let me tell you about an injustice that's happened to me. We've all been through it. This is, this is what happens. This is, Jesus said persecutions will come. Injustices will come. Don't be surprised when they happen to you. Here's the deal. Don't get emotional. Don't become emotionally unstable when injustices happen to you. They will come. Instead, put your emotion on Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Amen, saints? It says this, listen to what it says in Isaiah preaching about Jesus Christ. Back in Isaiah chapter 53, you don't have to see there, but I'm just going to read some points here. He was despised and he was rejected. He's talking about this day. He was held in low esteem. They turned their backs on him and they looked the other way. He was oppressed and treated harshly. Yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to be killed. He bore griefs. He carried our weakness. Our sorrows weighed him down. He couldn't even hold the cross up anymore. Our sorrows weighed him down. He was beaten so we we could be made whole. He was whipped so we could be healed. The Lord laid all our sins. The Lord Jehovah, his father, laid all of our sins on him. Yet, he did not open up his mouth. Injustice. I went through, through Jesus' final hours here. From the time he met Pilate. The time he met Pilate. He was woke up in the morning. He went before some local priests and scribes. They asked him some questions. Are you the son of man? He answered them. They brought him to Pilate. From the time he met Pilate. Take away Luke twenty three here. Take away Luke twenty three. The time he met Pilate, do you know how many words he spoke until he was put on the cross? From meeting Pilate, Pilate, it's the Bible says Pilate questioned him, interrogated him, sent him to Herod. Herod sent him back to Pilate. Question, question, question. Do you know how many words Jesus said? Take away, take out Luke twenty-three. Take out his response to their crowd around him. He said fifteen words. The whole time. No How no many words he said on the first three hours of his cross? 23. The last three hours of the cross? 23. 23 60, uh, 46 words on the cross. 15 words. 15 words. In an emotionally charged situation. Yelling, screaming, getting punched, getting slapped, getting pushed, getting beat, getting whipped. Who do you say you are? Tell us who you are. This is what he said to Herod and Pilate. It is as you say. Those were five of his words. It is as you say. Are you the king of the Jews? Are you the son of man? Are you God's son? It is as you say. Punch, kick, spat, whipped. Tell us more. It's injustice. And last also he said, right before he went to their cross, as they stripped him down, they put him naked on the cross as they stripped the clothes off of him as they were nailing him to the cross. Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. This are the only words he spoke when he, before he was put on the cross. From Herod to that point, from Pilate to that point, it was an emotional charged situation. It was so emotionally charged that Pilate and Herod, who didn't like each other, actually became friends that day. Two Romans who didn't disagree, Jerusalem was so out of control that they had to be like, "Look it, let's put our differences aside and let's deal with the situation." They became friends that day. Two Roman rulers who, who were opposed to each other. this is how the society was going. Something was happening. Big events in our life made something happen. They made something, something take place. We want to respond. We want to act. We want to make judgment. We want to say, I, "I can do this because it 's fair in my life. Let me tell you something. The most words Jesus spoke that day were in response to Luke 23. He turned and faced the crowd. A hundred and thirty-four words were spoken by Jesus in that one sentence we just read from Acts, from Luke 23, what is it? 26 to verse 31. And here's my message for you this morning, saints. This is what Jesus took time to care for. He heard the woman wailing and sobbing and lamenting for him. Jesus probably looked really bad. If it was your son or daughter or your friend, he was bleeding. He was weak. I probably don't want to on you. He could have carry his cross. He probably looked like a sad sight. The woman, God bless you woman, knowing the situation, you moms are so wonderful. Your daughters are so wonderful to reach out and see and lament over the pain and suffering of a human being, maybe more than a man can. And here was the woman yelling and screaming, lamenting. They were looking at this emotional charge, this beaten down man who they loved, who they cared for, who they had respect for on a certain level. He couldn't even make his way to their cross like he was supposed to, carrying her cross. But he spent time 134 words. And a man who only spent 15 words talking to society, 134 words he turned. And he said to those women, Don't weep for me. Weep for yourselves. Weep for your daughters. Weep for your sons. Don't weep for me. But Jesus, the injustice. You are the injustice. I'm going to keep, I have to focus on the injustice. Let's focus on the injustice. What's happening? This is unfair. Jesus says, "Don't stop. Put your emotion in your sons and daughters. Put your emotion in your own soul, saints." The Lord's response was, "Don't look. I have I had. I have to do this thing for you." Don't look at the emotion of this situation. 130, There's most words in his last hours were spent telling the people around him, don't worry about me, I'll be okay. You know what's gonna happen? There's gonna get to a point that this earth is gonna be so bad that people are gonna ask the mountains to fall on them. Take care of your souls. Don't be in that situation. Don't find yourself in that situation. Don't look at society causes and says, fight, fight, look at how bad society is getting. Don't spend emotion there. Spend emotion in the church. Spend emotion taking care of the brethren. Spend your focus weeping. I saw my wife all the time, she's the center of our house. When the kids are sick, when they need a hug, hey kids, come here. Whoa. Then they go to mom. I don't get them, I don't get them as much as the kids, but when I need a hug, my wife gives me a hug. Moms are the center of our homes. And here Jesus was saying to the moms, Sisters, I want to encourage you tonight. What power you have to help focus your home on Jesus Christ. Help maintain your husband's emotionally unre- un- 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 your emotional unresponses or, or unstableness that your, most, your husband may have coming home from work someday. Sisters, you can focus them. Take your eyes off that situation. Put it on Jesus. Moms, you can help your kids. Tell your daughters, tell your sons, hey, look it, you're a teenager. This looks really bad. Let me tell you something. Serving the Lord is better. Focus on serving the Lord. Focus on those around you who love you and care for you, who want the best interest for you. And that's my message for this morning, saints. That's all it is, a very simple message. That we have this condition in us that wants our emotions to fight in a certain direction. And Jesus is saying, don't focus on the problem. Focus on the solution, Jesus Christ. Jesus made his way to that cross saying, weep not for me. Weep for yourselves. I want to encourage you. We'll take a moment this morning. I think it's just unfair if I left it at that It didn't say, take a moment for yourself. Mom, sisters, how are you doing in Jesus Christ? Dads, brothers, how are you doing in Jesus Christ? Has a big event in your life taken your eyes off Jesus Christ and put them on the situation? Have you been focused on the situation at hand? It's an injustice. I'm hurting. I need help. I want to tell you something something worse is coming. Get your hearts ready. Now is the time, now is an opportunity to get your hearts ready. If you haven't been serving the Lord like you should be serving the Lord, I want to encourage you right now get your heart ready. Focus on Jesus Christ. Don't be passionate about the situation, the injustice that you have before you. In fact, stop being emotional towards it. Stop talking about it. Stop feeding it. Stop, when you hear a friend say, well, but what about this situation? Look at this on this situation. Look what I got on my iPhone. Stop. Say, I don't want to see that no more. I want to focus on Jesus Christ. I want to walk with him. I want to serve him. Here's an opportunity this morning that Jesus gave those women that day. Weep not for me. Weep for your souls. He gave them an opportunity to think about their souls. I'm going to give you, the Lord's given you an opportunity to think about your soul right now. Take a moment and respond. We'll sing a song. But if the Lord's speaking to your heart, now is the time to respond to him. Take advantage of the situation.